0: Tyler's going to love you. Oh, Recorded live.
1: Scuba Obsessed weekly podcast. We talk about all things scuba diving from cool new gear, places to dive, and scuba news. Episode 165 is recorded live July 11th, 2013. Welcome back to Scoob Obsessed. I'm Darren Jilson from a short but way too long time away from the microphone. And joining me this week, we have Mac the Dive Mentor. How are you doing today, Mac?
0: I'm doing pretty good. Should have taken a nap later on this <laughs> afternoon, but I
1: didn't, but I'm okay. Oh, we appreciate that. And we also have Jim Schultz. How are you doing today, Jim?
2: <laughs> I'm doing great, because I did take a nap. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Gosh, you guys make me so jealous. Those retired guys. And and uh, on top of taking a nap, you got to tell me you got out and did some diving today as well.
2: No diving, just about four and a half, five hours of survey work. Yeah, that's that's still... No, actually, it was better than five hours of survey work.
1: Yeah. Well, uh, Mac, why didn't you sleep during the survey work?
0: Somebody had to pilot the boat. Oh.
1: <laughs> well, I'm sure we're going to have a lot of time to talk about that. I'd like to thank everybody for tuning in and all those guests in the guest room. We have a few new faces this week, along with some old standbys. And I say old, I mean they've been there before, not that they're old, even though some of them may be. I apologize for not having an episode. We've only had one episode out of the last four weeks. And it was just a collection of unfortunate events that prevented me from being able to put a show on. I had one week I was traveling for work. I had one week I was on vacation, which I I don't uh, feel bad for doing that. also had a week that was a U.S. holiday, so I didn't think we'd have much turnout and everybody would better spend time with their family. So we've got plenty to talk about. And hopefully, here we are in the middle of July, everybody's been getting out and doing some diving. What we're going to do is we'll jump right on into the news. We're kind of loaded up. I don't know if we're going to get all the way through this. or We might call it quits at some point, but I saved the best to last kind of as a motivation. So we have some follow-up articles, actually quite a few of these. Are the first four or five are follow-up articles. That uh, spearfishing ban in Hawaii looks like it's going to go through. And this well, it looks,
0: looks like it did go through I thought.
1: Yeah, yeah, it, it, there's about five articles I found on it, and uh, let's see this one. The State Board of Land and Natural Resources on Friday, and this was July June 29th, so it's been a couple weeks now, voted to prohibit spearfishing in waters off West Hawaii by people diving with the aid of uh, scuba gear. The board also decided to limit the collection of aquarium fish in the area to a list of 40 species and redraw the boundaries of a fish management area off uh, Pukako, P-U-A-K-O, using updated information on the reef. The scuba spearfishing ban was the most contentious men measure considered. The board approved it with a 4-2 to two vote after hearing more than six hours of testimony. Oh, my gosh. That had to have been fun. Much of it from fishermen opposing the ban, board chairman and members, uh, that was a William Alla and David Goody, with the two voting against the measure, Uh, Robert uh, Pacheco, Pachigo, member of the Big Island, and three other members voted in favor. Fishermen testified that the science doesn't call for a ban in the practice. They're also worried that banning spearfishing off West Hawaii would would set a precedent and lead to the other spearfishing bans around the state. Those supporting the ban say scuba divers target larger fish, which is concerned because the offspring of larger females survive better and grow faster than the offspring of younger fish. They also argue that scuba fishermen harvest the deeper waters where fish take refuge. The president of Hawaii Fishermen's Alliance for Conservation Tradition said the fishermen who spear with help the help of scuba gear go deeper and get different types of fish than fishermen who free dive. Um, Let's see. Fernandez of Kona testified that development used use of fertilizer and land and cesspools are more important factors in overfishing that have led to the damage of the reef. Nearly 90% of the 565 people in West Hawaii who submitted public testimony to, to- topic last year supported the scuba ban. So I have a feeling this is not the end of it.
0: Well, your second article you had referenced uh-huh. basically said the same thing, except at the bottom of it had comments from people. Oh, one of them was they looked at the uh, issue of lay net. So I don't know what a lay net is, but looking at the argument in here, they said the lay net alone can account for all of the issues we're talking about. Uh, the other guy, who is a pro uh, uh, enforcement, talked about the implementation of the ban may be premature in the absence of hard data, but they said they'd rather err on the, on the side of conservatism in this particular instance because. Generally, humans don't do very good at policing themselves. So, I mean, he's arguing against some of the items, but at least he has some thought-out statements and explains why he voted one way. Right. Yeah.
1: I mean, that's my thought is that they could have eased into it a little bit because they went from really, and in, in I don't know the laws on what they can take, but it seems like you could have restricted it a little more than done an outright ban. Yeah. Like, like they're trying to tell me that there's not, any type of fish that they could take? And then you, you, why limit just the scuba divers?
0: Right. And that was a point that one guy was saying about the lay nets. If you're going to do something, do something to make a difference.
1: Yeah. Because a, a, a net's going to be indiscriminate in, in what it takes. Of course, they've got clear water there, so I don't know. Maybe they're a little more accurate with their throwing a net in there. Okay. Next up is we have a recall. Hollis recalls a digital dive computer due to a drowning hazard. They say that consumers should stop using the product unless otherwise instructed. It is illegal to resell or attempt to resell a recalled consumer product. The recall date was July 11th. The number is 13-236. It's the Hollis DG-03 dive computer. The hazard is a dive computer when used with optional integrated transmitter. Can malfunction display an incorrect tank? pressure reading to the diver. Diver could unknowingly deplete their air supply based on the reading resulting in drowning. The recall includes Hollis brand DGO3 dive computer serial numbers 100 through 1142 that may be used with integrated transmitters that monitor tank pressure. The round black two and a half inch diameter computer that has a digital screen is worn on the divers wrist like a watch. The name of the product the Hollis DGO3 is printed in the front of the unit and the serial numbers printed in the back of the unit. Computers allow scuba divers to measure the time and depth of the dive. Only dive computers with serial with software labeled Revision 1A viewed on the computer display are included in the recall. Hollis has received two reports of dive computers malfunctioning, but no injuries have been reported. Consumers should stop using a recalled dive computer until the unit's operating system is upgraded to version 1B. Consumers can download the upgrade from the firm's Website or contact an authorized Hollis dealer for assistance. They said well, the US... they can
0: always take an analog backup, I suppose.
1: Yeah. But do people with integrated air, I, I don't have an integrated air unit, but do they have a gauge that they could even look
0: at? No, that's what I'm saying. You can always attach one to your tank.
1: Yeah. I would think that might be a good backup measure.
0: I do take a out with you. Yeah.
1: Well, it kind of, and maybe this is what they've done with the software to me. If it loses a signal, it should alert you right away. Uh, this is almost making it appear that it just kind of remembers whatever your, the last thing it was reported and doesn't get back with you.
0: Well, it looks like a software issue.
1: Yeah, it, especially if, if just a, a slight firmware upgrade takes care of it. Yeah. But that, that's a good piece of advice. If you've got a, uh, a dive computer, just make sure you've, you've kept it up to date.
0: I certainly would not want to depend upon it. Told me my air pressure and found it were defective. Yeah,
2: I guess I feel pretty fortunate. Yeah, that's that's one of the concerns when you've got a a wireless. If something goes wrong and no backup or no secondary. When I was setting up my tech gear with the double post on the double tanks, that was one of the suggestions of have a mechanical gauge on one and a wireless on the other. That way you've got a mechanical backup.
1: Yeah, it's because some of the systems they actually have where. Uh your dive buddy can actually monitor your air as well, which I think is an interesting feature. The next article up is a scuba skeleton sparks a Morocco ID mystery. A discovery of a wetsuit-clad skeleton floating in the sea near Alicante, Spain, with flippers, phone, waterproof clothes, a Moroccan passport, and a wad of cash has triggered speculation as to the victim's identity and cause of death. The crew of the yacht Yazi, found the skeletonized body adrift in the canal, a stretch of sea which separates uh, the mainland of Spain with the island of Ibiza, according to Spanish National Daily El Paris. It says Tuesday. Let's see when this article really was. This was uh, July 2nd. Uh, Investigators at the Civil Guard headquarters are busily attempting to trace the victim's identity through items found with the body. Clues include a black and gray wetsuit, flippers, backpack with a logo. Keep moving. Inside in the backpack were a mobile phone, clothes perfectly waterproofed, packing a password, passport and a bundle of cash worth 700 U.S. dollars. Uh, despite the scuba type apparel, no oxygen bottles were found. They said oxygen, them meant air. Uh, currents and sea creatures are believed to be responsible for stripping the body of flesh, which is not an ounce remained. The passport was issued to a Moroccan man born January 8, 1989. They say uh, sources are indicating that the victim may have been an immigrant attempting to swim across the Strait of Gibraltar from Morocco to Spain. The body could have swept by currents in the East Coast location where it was discovered. Uh, Looking up the identity of the uh, alleged man as LinkedIn shows that he was an accountant and information management professional. His online data was updated a month ago. So he wasn't in the water that long. Isn't that amazing that in a wetsuit your body could be stripped of all its flesh in a, in a month.
0: I can't figure out why his skull didn't fall out of the wetsuit part unless it was really, really tight.
1: Yeah. Yeah, kind of, kind of unusual. I don't,
0: I don't think I would find one like that myself.
1: I, I don't know what lesson we can learn from that one. Don't die. And then another... Mean, Go ahead.
0: It'd be interesting to know why he died.
1: I don't know if they're going to be able to figure that out. I mean, he could add a... Heart attack, he could have drowned, he could have been stabbed, <laughs> knocked out. I mean, unless there's physical damage to the skeleton, they're they're not really going to know.
0: Yeah, ran over by a boat, didn't see him swimming at night.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I guess we could blame Solo diving.
0: <laughs> well, he wasn't diving, though. No, no scuba gear.
1: Oh, uh, that's true. So maybe he was just swimming. And if you remember, in the UK, they were looking for that plane engine. Well, they finally found it. This is the Cayley Scuba Divers. They were trying to find an engine of a crashed World War II plane. They have reunited with a grandfather of part of the crashed Second World War plane, which claimed the lives of three colleagues. Royal Navy Airman Frank Walton, 88, made an emotional visit to the Great Gully above the Lake District's Westwater after a branch of the British Subaquatic Club rediscovered the engine of the, the uh, Avenger. The plane crashed on a night exercise in 1945, killing all three of its crew. Mr. Walton was due to be on board, but had swapped with a teenage friend. The cause of the crash remains a mystery. Among the dead was a wireless operator, Philip Royalston Mallory, who had been a friend with, training with him. The pilot of Doom flight was a Canadian Lieutenant Bernard Kennedy. Also on board was Navigator Gordon Fell. Mr. Walton, who was born in Bradford and now lives in Preston, was a member of Lieutenant Kennedy's crew. But days before the accident, the previous skipper made a request to have his old crew back, so he returned his command. That decision saved his life. After the accident, they tell us immediately, probably because they thought it would be too upsetting. I I was all right, but I felt for Philip. He was a nice lad. Uh, They said it would have been nice to have a commemorative plaque uh, to put on the aircraft's engine block, which is something we think about. We dived in the lake in April, but couldn't find a tail section. Just after we got back, we met somebody in another British subaquatic club, and they tipped us off to where the tail is. I think we'll go back in August to see if we can locate and photograph it.
0: Some of the verbiage later on was interesting. The question was, is that considered a war grave? Oh. And the statement they were wondering is, uh, if they were killed there and the bodies not recovered, then it could be considered a war grave. But if the bodies were recovered and buried elsewhere, then it would not be. But then if there were, meaning the bodies had been recovered, then that would mean you knew where the wreck was and therefore it wasn't lost. (laughs)
1: <laughs> like i guess that's true yeah uh, um somehow i mean unless they floated free or washed up on shore or something
0: well records get lost in six years very easily yeah
1: well it sounds like from talking with other divers that it had been rediscovered many times just people didn't really realize what it was or think to make anything of it yeah okay boy i just feel a little rusty and Getting all this stuff together. Okay, we have a lake cleanup coming up here in Canada.
0: Yeah, using a rake. <laughs>
1: Is that what they're doing?
0: Well, that display we're looking at. Uh huh. He said they did that without even getting without getting wet.
1: That's kind of cheating.
0: And covered a stash of garbage on the lake bottom with his rake. Some of which had been there for years. He said. We're just rowing his boat, cleaning up the bottom.
1: <laughs> oh my goodness! So let's see which which this is on August three from eight a.m. to noon. And let's see, Great Lake cleanup. They say which lake they're talking about. Good.
0: H- a L T A Alta Lake. A L T A.
1: Sounds like an abbreviation more than a lake, but okay. Oh, Alpha Lake. A L P H A.
0: I'm. Um, it didn't say HA, it just said A L T A, the one I'm looking
1: at. Okay. Roughly 10 people have volunteered their time, including council colleague who will take on Alpha Lake, a lake closest to her house. She's particularly distraught to hear the number of cigarette butts collected by local students in their recent cleanup efforts. According to results of the Great Canadian Shoreline Cleanup Cigarettes, cigarette filters were the top litter item collected in 2012, more than 416,000 food wrappers. Next is more than 98,000 by plastic bags, almost 70,000. Okay. Oh, yeah, you're right, Mac. I see down here Alta and Alpha Lakes covered. The remaining three lakes, which is Green, Lost, and Nita. They're also looking for sponsors who could help with a thank you barbecue at the end of the cleanup.
0: Yeah, it's kind of hard to find something in a lost lake. How do you find the
1: lost <laughs> yeah. lake? So, so the challenge is you've got to find the lake first, and then you can go and, and clean yeah. it up.
0: And then they'll call it Found Lake.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, the green like I don't picture has got too good of visibility.
0: Yeah, I wonder if that's algae. <laughs>
1: <laughs> if we get disconnected, we'll call back. It looks like Jen is having a little bit of a connection issue for a moment. And then this one we might—I—I I, I wanted to read the whole article, but I didn't get a chance to. Uh, it's kind of continuation of something last year where uh, groups are using divers to do some citizen science. Uh, an application or a, a website that is used as an online logbook and has applications for both Android and iOS. They've been having divers work on some community projects. They said, uh, well, let me see if I can get to the meat of it. They said, uh, what's interesting about the the website, which uh, they're starting to, they've are starting, got a new product that they're launching to help dive shops, they said uh, that dive board is particularly interesting as the data it's occurring. A- Said with any such platform, the more users dive board nabs, the more data it acquires, which is leading a potentially new and interesting direction. From an early stage, the founders realized that the divers identify species that come across. They needed to leverage existing occurrence database. It turns out the scientists are already conducting on site surveys and maintaining a colossal amount of occurrence data data compiled as a geographic place with the event occurring and dedicated scientific networks I have returned this data from fresh given that survey happens almost every 10 days. And yet the biotype is evolving at a strikingly fast pace. One of the best examples being the invasion of lionfish in the Caribbean. Uh, they said the upside of this is that dive board founders realized they possessed a potentially powerful way to get back to the science uh, fraternity by issuing dive board users with a new remit citizen science a nature consequence of dive bo- dive boards, uh, data is continuously created by divers who are logging their dives on DiveBoard. Uh, they're using a tool called Species Picker, some of which are shared with the scientific community weekly. Oh, that's interesting.
0: Yeah, I just went to DiveBoard.com. It might be worth an eyeball down the road there. I was curious about the first part in Paris. I'm I'm curious where they dive in Paris at.
1: Yeah, I'll have to take a look at this. I'll I'll poke around to that. It's...
0: Yeah, DiveBoard online, interesting.
1: Yeah, so a cool tool. Uh, let's see here. And this one, at first when I saw the the title, I was thinking it was Three Oaks Just Around the Corner, Scuba Diving and Wakeboarding Proposed for Three Oaks. Yeah,
0: that's Crystal Lake, Illinois, right?
1: (laughs) Yes, it is. So over in Crystal Lake, they had taken an old quarry and had turned it into a recreational place. And they said there's quite a demand for scuba diving. So they're trying to qualify for a grant to help them with that program. As soon as the article pulls up here, it says uh, the Crystal Lake City Council members considering major expansion to uh, three Oaks recreational area, including a scuba facility in Wakeboard Park. The council members gave city officials the okay to apply for state grant, which could fund up to 50 percent of the roughly $400,000 scuba area project at a 400-plus acre park. To receive the Open Space Land Acquisition Development Grant, the city would need to show that it had 100% of the funding necessary to complete the project. It must be completed with an established time frame. The scuba diving has been in high demand since the city converted the former Vulcan Lakes gravel pit into a $14.3 million major boating, fishing, and swimming destination. Deputy City Manager Eric Holm said the proposed scuba diving area would be on the east side of the arena in the South Lake. When they say a scuba diving area, this just kind of a dock dedicated for scuba
0: divers? Well, 400-acre, you're using it as a park area, so they did segment it into areas that would be maybe no boaters allowed, so you don't have the boat traffic to contend with.
1: <laughs> yeah, Dave, Dave in the chat room is going, 400K project. Yeah, don't you wish you had that for some of the projects you worked on in the past, Dave? Yeah, I, I, 400000 you can do a heck of a lot. If that's all aimed at scuba divers, I mean, what would that be? Like, you know, an air fill station, bathrooms, picnic area, parking lot?
0: Yeah, that'll be, that could take a chunk of money to get that. If you don't yeah. have city water, who's going to pay for the water, electricity, blah, blah, blah. Yeah.
1: So $14.3 was has already been spent So I I guess that's conceivable. So in any new place to dive, I'm all for.
0: Yeah.
1: Okay. Let's see here. Okay. Now, now we get into some of the good stuff. Ancient anchors from the Punic War found off of Sicily. And I was thinking these aren't Detroit or Chicago anchors. I said a key episode of the Punic Wars has emerged as the water near a small Sicilian island discovered a cluster of more than 30 anchors. They were found at depth between 160 and 270 feet. Anchors dated to more than 2,000 years old, so that anchors were evidence that the Roman Carth. The- the- oh my goodness, I'm just not up to reading that right now. Car Carth- Carthaginians struggled to conquer the Mediterranean during the First Punic War, which is about 264 to 241 BC. They said they were deliberately abandoned. Uh, Carthaginians ships were Hiding from the Romans and could not waste time to retrieve heavy anchors at such depths, and they go on to explain uh, all the politics at uh, the time. They said uh, near the coin, uh, they said that they uh, also found money that was deliberately left in the bottom of the sea in relatively low waters, such with the hope of recovering it later. Near the coins, we found a large anchor with three holes in a tree trunk. I believe they were signaling the point where the treasure was hidden. They said underwater researches continue until mid-July. The project is funded by several organizations and universities in the area.
0: All I know is if you want to die for shipwrecks, go to the Mediterranean. Ken Bass was one of the first archaeologists to really get into the underwater recovery and what have you. And you're, you're talking 35, 40 years plus. And he was doing an excavating of a, a surface wreck. Under it, he found another wreck. Under it, he found another wreck. <laughs> and it was amazing the the density of wrecks. And then when you started excavating and got below the level, how you found another one under it. I mean, yeah. but you look how long the people have lived there. Oh yeah, it's, it's freaking amazing. And, and like you said, there were actually three wars from, like you said, 264
1: to 146
0: BC. Yeah, they. Amazing.
1: It is. Yeah. And no. and when you when you had uh, island nations, I mean, you had to have okay. shipping to be able to get move product in and out. Yeah. And that was a central point of trade in the, that part of the world for millenniums. And a little bit closer to our neck of the woods, we have virgin wrecks abound in Michigan waters. A couple divers in northern Michigan visit a new shipwreck 13 miles east of Sheboygan. The shipwreck was discovered July 8, 2012, and appears to be a schooner roughly 125 feet in length. And while broken up, most of the pieces present It may be a while before the wreck is legally identified, but so far the eminent, evidence suggests it's the Syracuse. Uh, this was found by veteran divers Larry McElroy and Joe Lavender and Craig Pasino.
0: You know his names, don't you?
1: I don't, but I'm I'm imagining you do.
0: Well, remember the Northern Michigan Dive Center up there, the one we gave our uh, big clamshells to?
2: That's Joe Lavender. Okay.
0: Those, yeah, those groups up there, remember they had put this in their uh, newsletter, oh God, last year yeah. about the new wreck?
1: Yeah, they, that's about the time they found it. Don't you guys get
0: the newsletters from them, by
1: the way, or not? I do. Yeah. See, I've never been to the dive shop. Jim and I, the both times we've been up, they've been closed. We haven't gotten back in early enough to refill the air, so we had to bring all our tanks up with us. Yeah. That's great. They found one, and the and the photo looks pretty good. Yes. So uh, what you'll have to do is have to. uh, Were they being forthcoming with the numbers, or they want people to pay for the charter to find it?
0: I don't remember seeing the numbers, but they did say they were taking people out to (laughs) diamond. I mean, hey,
2: they found it.
0: They spent their monies. They should get something for that effort.
1: Yeah, I I don't hold it against them.
2: Is this different than the one they found last year?
1: No, this is the one they found last year.
2: The one they found last year. Okay. Yep. So I I think it's just
1: being written up or getting more publicity. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I'll check back in with okay, you guys they, and they, they, okay. you okay charter with them one time. You go out that way; they get their income from taking you there, and then mm-hmm. after that, you've got the numbers.
1: Exactly. Take a bunch of pictures while we're out there. And another shipwreck. We have an underwater video confirming the idea of a 1930-13 Lake Superior shipwreck. This one is from Duluth, Minnesota. Video is taken 500 feet down, and Lake Superior confirms the shipwreck is a long-lost freighter, Henry B. Smith shipwreck. Hunters located the wreck in May, about 30 miles north of Marquette, Michigan. They had little doubt then that they had found the Smith when it vanished in a storm in 1913. But Duluth News Tribune reports the group wasn't able to get a video showing the ship's name until returned to the site. Uh, it says last week, but this was July 1st, so it's a couple weeks now. The Duluth News Tribune reports the group, oh, uh, the 525 foot Henry B. Smith sank in a massive Great Lakes storm in November 1913 after it and its crew in 25 ventured out from Marquette during a, f- a lull. The storm kicked up again and the freighter vanished, leaving scattered wreckage and just two bodies along the shores of Lake Superior. So it's in remarkably good condition, another wreck that looks amazing. So a hundred years ago. And that does it for the news. We have, uh, or at least for those articles, we have some potentially cool scuba gear. I know Mac's going to kick himself for not being here for this next one. We've, we covered this one maybe a year or so ago. The APS Russian underwater sight rifle said what a frogman brings to pool parties. And this provides a little bit more. La- last year we had uh, it's just a little one single paragraph in a blurb, and this is a long, detailed article. Uh, I-, I love the bullets. They said the weapon was simple, only had 42 named parts overall, it greatly resembled the layout of the AK-47. It had a skeletonized buttstock that could compact down to just 24 inches overall, which is perfect for the storage and glove boxes of Soviet mini-subs. It shot 566 by 120 millimeter steel darts from a 39 millimeter long cartridge case up to 600 rounds per minute. The action had to have been stretched and redesigned to handle such an oddball-sized round. The barrel, not needing the stabilizing of spin for the darts under, was, uh, was not uh, rifled, so it was smooth, more like a shotgun barrel. Said fully loaded, the magazine could contain 26 steel darts. The gun tipped the scales at 7.5 pounds, which in water was uh, about a third of the weight, two thirds of the weight of it in air. Said in water 16 feet deep, its range was 100 feet away and was still capable of piercing a dive tank or a neoprene suit. However, the charge rapidly dissipated with depth. At 130 feet, its range is only about 30 feet away. Said there's still spots uh, where those weapons are still believed to be used. And then some more potential gear. When I was camping uh, this this year, I picked up a, a cheap watch. And whenever I pick up the cheap watch, I always want one that says it's rated. So my my cheap little $9 waterproof watch was rated for 30 meters. I killed it just swimming. It never went below one meter, and it flooded. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't think, maybe there was a, a small M I didn't see. Maybe it was millimeters. But yeah, I, I killed it. So this this swatch is a stylish watch at only ninety dollars. Gee, maybe we should sell those. Oh my goodness. This is how many websites are not working today? Crud. Well we'll skip this one, I guess. Here's some more potential scuba gear. This one's for photographers. Underwater bobsled. So this it's kind of a take on what Google was doing. It's the new Benthic observation sled or bob sled uh, brings broadcast quality HD video, uh, 920 by 1080 video comes at 200 megabits, 280 megabits per second. And they said that's three times the the uh, rate of Blu-ray video. Said so it lets reper- researchers pull out individual frames with few compression artifacts, provides more than enough detail for biologists enthusiasts enthusiasts to drool over. So it also has comes with two hundred and fifty watt LED lamps. It also employs two laser pointers or create two red dots exactly ten centimeters apart, ensuring that scientists always have a reference for scale. Now, Jim, didn't you talk about doing that on ROVs?
2: Uh, I wasn't, but somebody was talking about it. I did see something. Yeah, But that's a great idea.
1: Because that way, you've always got a way of of measuring or knowing your reference.
2: Yeah, that is a great idea.
1: Very cool. The the picture they showed in the article though wasn't wasn't that good. But maybe it was just a a bad photo day, which we've had plenty of those. And then if I'm you have hoping,
2: one of those, Go I'm ahead. hoping Bob had a bad photo day when he did the aa 5 that we put up. That, that is nowhere near the quality of the GoPro. I'm just hoping it was something wrong with the either he dumbed it down to post it or
1: something yeah, I don't
2: that that didn't look for as good as other video I've seen.
1: Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure what was going on with that, and I, I kind of feel like that in general whenever I see video, especially if I dove the location, because
2: mm-hmm.
1: it was it was clearer than that and brighter than that. Okay, here's some uh, some potential scuba gear. If the regular wetsuit doesn't do it for you, you can try a Batman themed scuba diving suit. This is a gentleman who makes his living as an instructor. He also publishes a magazine. The subject. He lives in. A the coast of an island, Boa Vista, in Eastern Cape Verde. So, yeah, I've been in a lot of dive shops. I have yet to see that particular hood.
2: So once you've well, got the, the suit, wouldn't be too bad, but I just, you know, I don't like that hood.
1: Yeah, the I man kind of you can kind of use it as feelers though. Like if you're cave diving, you know, if my kind of like a cat, you know, if your ears don't fit th- through, then you shouldn't go into the cave.
2: Yeah. yeah.
1: And then then once you get the uh, the Batman wetsuit. Then you need the James Bond car. So they're saying that the James Bond Lotus was up for
0: sale. You know, just a sidebar. I'm not sure that looked like Batman. It looks <laughs> like more like Horny Man. It looks like horns up in the <laughs> Not to mention you see what's around them. I don't know.
1: I'm going to say that if you add the ages of all the girls around them, they probably didn't equal his.
0: <laughs> That's probably true. <laughs>
1: Come on. I swear the Internet is just – it's given up. I'm, this is back. Look, if, if you listen to the last episode, it was me whining about the Internet being slow, and it's still slow today.
0: Yeah, you know, what's going to be bad is when they wear these – I'm looking at these hoodies. So you rob a bank or rob somebody with a <laughs> – you're going <laughs> to give all the superheroes a bad name. Yeah. What can I say? I was robbed by Batman.
1: Well, th- that's why I always liked it when the uh, they used to use the president masks because they already had politicians had such a bad reputation it didn't matter. Yeah,
0: you expect that. Yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, you you get robbed from them every day of the year. What's uh what's somebody going and t- knocking off a bank any different? Okay, <laughs> I'm giving up on that website. Goodness, <laughs> how aggravating. So here we'll, we'll go from gear to photos. Here's the uh, uh nice photo of the week. Some cute and cuddly mantis cuddly cuddly, yeah, and I don't know if we can say in the air, but they look like they'd be tasty wrapped in bacon
0: <laughs>
1: uh, isn't it I don't know is that green probably not maybe it's just me I can't get to any of these websites to pop open
0: yeah interesting maybe cuddly is not a word I would have associated with mantis.
1: okay, we're gonna pull up a different browser here. This is not a good sign. I think this is my Internet. We could be losing a connection here any second. Are you guys able to get to any of these?
0: Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm down to a flow already. That James Bond car was cool, by the way, plus the video on it.
1: Yeah, I always, always loved that car. Could you imagine just going through the James Bond books and going, you know what, we're going to spend money making this, and it's going to work. Okay. Yeah, my, my Internet's just completely given up. And what it usually means is that my router has died and is no longer serving up IP addresses. So I'm going to do everything from memory, which will probably make things go a little bit quicker. So we have a few videos of the week. So the first one up is the German fleet at Scapa Flow, which I haven't seen. So, Mac, is, that, is the video any good?
0: <laughs> well, you actually see stuff. It's quite it's quite good if you don't really know about Scapa Flow. Uh, it talks about, you know, the sinking of the Imperial German Navy at the end of World War One. There were 74 German naval vessels taken to the Bay of Scapa Flow in the Orky Islands, Orkney Islands, O R K N E Y Orkney Islands, and he didn't want to give it to them, so they basically scuttled his ships. Oh, I didn't want to give them to the to the uh, English, so he scuttled them.
2: Yeah, that will do that's it. That's a some That's a someday dive. Yeah.
0: Well, yeah. and like I say, most of the ships have been salvaged for scrap, but there's still some on the bottom out there. They do, they were doing a lot of this salvage back in the seventies.
2: Yep. Okay. My,
1: there are some awesome
0: pictures of that stuff.
1: Yeah, now my internet's coming back.
2: Yeah, uh scapa flow, truck lagoon.
1: Well, you got you gotta add Bon in that. You gotta add uh, bikini atoll.
2: Bikini, yeah, uh, Bonair, I
1: don't know. I don't know. I want to go there once just to see pretty things. They'll be overrated.
2: Go down to the South Pier on a Saturday or Sunday. Mac and I saw some pretty things today. (laughs) Walking (laughs) on the pier? (laughs) Mm -hmm. I did not say
1: that. But, yes. Yes. They were colorful. Very colorful. Oh, I better move on before I get myself in trouble. Okay. The next uh, video. And and these, I'm going to post on the uh, divevideos.scubaobsessed.com website. So, you'll be able to link to them from there. Uh, and also we'll catch up in the show notes here, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But uh, I thought it was interesting to show how they were, how you would get stuff to an undersea lab. So that that whole routine I thought was fascinating. So that's a, it's a quick two-minute video that's worth the watch. And then also we have, which we'll be talking about in a minute, the video of the dive from last week's dive. So since, gosh, how many dives collectively have we done since the last episode?
2: Well, it's been a month, so.
1: Yeah. We did Lake 16. I don't think we've talked since we did Lake 16 dive, have we? No, I don't no, think we did.
0: That, I don't believe no, really
1: so. Yeah. So we did, we went, so if we go back oldest to newest, we did Lake rock 16. Rockaway? Yeah, Blackaway. Rockaway. Oh, Rockaway. Oh, I think Rockaway rock, rock rock was after Lake 16. Or was it before? No, it was before. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We may have talked about that one, but we'll talk about it again. That one was cold. That was cold. That that was less than fifty degrees on the surface, and it didn't get any warmer going on down. But visibility was absolutely amazing on the rockaway. But uh, I I think I, I braved it out for twenty minutes. I was the last one in and the first one out.
2: Well, you were diving wet. Yeah, the yes, I I wetsuit.
1: Oh yeah, the the, the ventilated wetsuit. And when I jumped in, I had to swim back to the boat to rest because it, it literally took my breath away.
2: Yeah, that was a cold day,
1: yeah, i I we were four of us on Bob Zodiac, which is about I mean, you can do five, but man, I, so I didn't have any priming water, and all that ice water just came right in the, the wetsuit. Yeah, dry suit. I've got it, guys <laughs> yeah, that that would uh, i'm I'm definitely in need of a of that. Uh, and then the let's see, Mac, did you have anything about that time? You were probably doing some river dives, pawpaw Lake, oh. maybe?
0: Well, you give me a second. I'm going to the site, website, okay. look under events. Yeah,
1: yeah, the mudclub.scubaobsessed.com site. And uh, I think we've done a pretty good job of keeping up on it. I was hoping to have some more pictures. I need to steal some from Bob's video, I guess.
0: Uh... Let's see here. Well, today is the, what, 11?
1: Yeah, it's 11. So if we go back, we were probably like uh, June.
0: Okay, on the 10th, we had Gull Lake. Night dive, Mr. Richard was there uh, on the seventh. We had the either the Havana or Max wreck on the seventh. Not sure which one got done. Okay. Because the we had the creek barge and the Ann Arbor five on the sixth.
2: Yeah, we did Max wreck.
0: Okay. Uh, on July third, I was at Gull Lake down a potluck uh, after the dive. Uh, June 27th, that was Paul Paul Lake for me. 26 was Wednesday dive. That was Blue Lake. 23rd was uh, June 3rd was Max Rec. The 23rd was also at the Verona. Verona?
1: Verano, yep.
0: Yeah, Verano. Some people know that. And the 19th was uh, Lake 16. So is that far enough back?
1: Yeah, I, th- I think that covered it. Okay. Um, so let's see uh, some notable ones. Uh, how, b- how about we just, uh, this this last weekend, uh, Jim and I went out on Saturday. <laughs> I wonder if Jim's gonna to listen to this. I've been nice to him, but you know, maybe we'll we'll throw him under the bus or something. But uh we had a we went out and did some side scanning in Lake Michigan. He had actually gone out with his uh you know, he took the wife and family a week before and while they were sunbathing and tubing, he was able to get some side scanning done. And if you look on the mud club site, you can see the the scan that he came up with. And I think you nicknamed that one what, uh Stuart, Mac?
0: Yeah. Stuart. That's what it looks like, especially the one with
1: the uh, target on it. Yeah, he's got the, the target zoomed on when he captured it. And, One
0: of yeah. the mini minions.
1: Yeah. And that that was the bump that we talked about on Facebook that we were wondering what it was, and we went out all intending to dive on it. Uh and he had something planned for in the afternoon, about three o'clock. So we we're gonna we we went real early, we're gonna go and try and reclo- relocate it and dive it. So this is about the first time in a while that we had both been together on a boat and getting everything all organized. We get out to the site, we get anchored on it, and we're starting to put the gear together. And he realized, at first he thought he had only left his uh, drive, dive gloves apart. And I'm like, well, I got some gloves. He goes, no, I don't have any rings. So his dry suit wouldn't hold together too well without the uh, the gloves. And then we got to looking at it, and he had also forgotten his regulator and hose. So that, it would have been a little tough dive for him unless he could breathe right off the end of the tank.
0: Or you can buddy breathe and use the duct tape to close up his wrist seals.
1: There you go. There's
0: always a way.
1: <laughs> there is. Well, we thought about it. We said, oh, we'll just run back in and then we'll run back out. So we got all the way back in, got out all the gear together. We started heading up the river and we got looking and it was about noon. And he had to be back at his home a little bit after two. So we just, we probably could have made it out to the wreck, bounced it and come back. But at that point especially when we had a dive scheduled for the, tomorrow, the next day, uh, we decided to call it. So unfortunately, we still don't know what that bump is. And then the next day, we had three boats and six divers out on the Ann Arbor 5 in the barge and crane. Or the sand wreck. Or the sand wreck. Yeah, we, we you, you did, did have the sand wreck.
2: Yeah, so. you guys dove the barge and crane, and we dove the sand wreck.
1: that was a case where the visibility just had to be about two feet too bad for you guys not to find it.
2: I think so. Plus, we were, you know, on a very short surface interval after our deco, first deco dive. Okay. So we didn't have a whole lot of time to spend at 125 feet searching the sand.
1: So to back up just a little bit, we had a, it was a beautiful day out Uh, on the way up to, we went out of South Haven. It, it rained and drizzled a little bit, you know, just a few little drops in the windshield. And I'm thinking, oh, what are we getting into? But we went out and it was a little choppy, you know, would, I think somebody called them one foot to three. And I said, they're more like 14 inches to 38 inches, but, um, uh, <laughs> you know, little, little choppy enough to where it was one of those where you couldn't get the boats at the right speed to where it would smooth out. Uh, but, uh, we, we got out to the wreck uh, Bob went down first just to make sure every, everybody was on uh, was on the wreck as wreck find. And then uh, Jim Kleeman, myself and Kirk went down. And then Jim and who was with diving with you?
2: Uh Dan Schulte. Dan Schulte. Okay.
1: And so everybody got to, to go on the Ann Arbor five. I, I think the highest the highest point on the Ann Arbor five is about one hundred and nineteen, isn't it?
2: Um, no, you're you could do it about I think the top rail's about I want to say a hundred.
1: Hundred. Okay.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah, because I had uh, 123, I think, on
2: that one. Yeah,
1: 123, or 119, right about, I think. Yeah.
2: Yeah, that'll put you right about even with the uh, prop shafts.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I now, uh, Jim Kleeman, this is his first deep dive of the year, so he he pretty much did a uh, just kind of touch the rail, then he floated about 15, 20 feet above us and watched us swim around. Kirk went down and i pretty much stayed in the deck and and worked around bob had come up and his anchor was uh stuck in the wreck so i went over there and pitched his anchor off the the side of the wreck it had fallen into a hatch and it's amazing when you dive at that depth every time you go down it's like you're diving a new wreck because you see things you didn't you didn't see before so at the beginning of the dive uh i i wasn't narked but by the end of the dive i was (laughs) narked pretty good I started going back down, and I got to about 125, and uh, sound changes when I get narked, and that's how I know I'm 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 really getting there. It's like the everything takes on a different pitch, and that's my cue to, to head up a little bit.
2: Yeah, I'm glad you've got something that that marks it for you. I I haven't found my flag yet that lets me know I'm narked. Well,
1: i well. I I don't know. There's other cues, but they're not. They haven't been identifiable to me when I'm underwater. I know about them when I get back up because somebody will say, did you see the, and I go, the what? Oh, that big neon sign with five foot high letters at the bottom of the anchor rope that, no, I didn't see. (laughs) So, but sound is usually, it's probably the third item that happens because I get tunnel vision pretty much right away where I just get focused. But that's kind of a natural for me and anything I do. You know, the more stress there is, the more tunnel vision or focus I get.
2: Yeah, that's, um, that's the same for me.
1: Yeah, but... That isn't enough to deter me, but I kind of, when I, and I, I like, I could hear my own heartbeat and it was starting to take on a synthesizer sound. <laughs> it was kind of pinging. So I'm like, yeah, I'll go up. And, and the amazing thing about it is you can go up five, 10 feet and then it all clears up. So that's what I did. Waited for Kurt to come up and then we all went up and went together and we stayed up for quite a while. Cause then you went down. And had some time on the bottom. I think you had probably what a good 30-minute dive at least.
2: Yeah, um, it was about 28 minutes, I think, with Deco. Yeah. We had a, a nice dive. We went in. Uh, Dan and I went down. He was just diving an 80 with the pony. Uh, so he stayed above me. But we went down the line, uh, hooked on with a tag line, and then came back up over the stern and dropped down to the props because I wanted to make sure he saw the props. And he wanted to stay pretty shallow, So while he was hanging above the props, I dropped straight down to the sand uh, to get my depth in and took a look around right underneath the props. Then I came back up. Uh, we went over the stern again and back to the anchor line. But that time, it was uh, time for him to head up. So we came on up and just did our deco on the way up. But, uh, yeah, we were in deco, both dives. Not long, it was uh, five or six minutes of deco, but enough that we had to had to stop and hang out for a while.
1: Now, is this his first uh, dive on the Ann Arbor Five?
2: Yes, his and mine. Oh it's the first time I've been on the Ann Arbor Five.
1: Oh, wow. so, so what was your take of it as far as a wreck?
2: Uh, interesting. I, I want to go back and see more. I want to go back and you know i I want to just draw, drop down the deck. Uh, go down one side and come back up the other and maybe go down the middle and come back up. So I'd like to do that. And I'd like to also, you know, search the sand a little bit, uh, where it, where it hits the sand. Yeah. Cause I understand it's a little bit deeper there than it was under the props, but you know, cause it's the current moves it around some. Yeah. So yeah, I'm looking forward to getting back to a few more dives on it.
1: Yeah, that's, that's a good one, especially with you getting your tech certification. That's a. Shallower as far as deep uh, tech wrecks go, but and you've got a lot to see all the way down. So the the way it's speared into the bottom, you start in recreational depth and then work your way into tech, and then you can come back up and do recreational again.
2: Mm-hmm. And it's it's a nice one to do uh, a tech introduction on. I mean, it's a big target, and uh, I got to get a hold of my instructor and see if we can come over and do a couple of checkout dives on it.
1: Oh, that'd be great. Yeah, and also I don't think I've had this is about the worst visibility. I've had on it, and this was 40 feet, so it's not it's not a bad wreck to dive on.
2: Yeah, I think Bob's uh, chain may have or anchor line may have stirred it up some.
1: Yeah, and Bob had, had pointed out it's got a very fine silt on it. Uh, it. It's only been a wreck since the 70s, so it hasn't had a lot of time to accumulate a lot. But what's there, and I I blame the the mussels. It's a very fine silt, and I and I crapped it up i i my trim i just wasn't happy with i need to upgrade some of my gear and i'm kind of the point now where i just want to get in a dry suit and work on all my buoyancy issues all at the same time because uh I, I, there's a few pieces of gear i've been changing out too quickly and i just want to get into something i can dive for 100 dives or so but it does not take much current at all to stir that up to and and fortunately it settles pretty quick yeah, yeah we it, noticed
2: that just just swimming above it uh Fin kicks were enough to yeah to create a silk out behind us.
1: Yeah, it's, it's you know you're you you don't even have to be that close. Just little eddies off the end of your fin will come and just stir that up. So so nice dive. I I stayed out of deco on the Ann Arbor Five. Um, so I just had a I did a conservative profile and took my time. And then since you guys still had to go down after I went up. I had, a, I think, a fairly extended uh, surface interval between that dive and the next dive. So I probably had an hour and a half at least. Uh,
2: so Yeah, I had a 35-minute surface interval.
1: Yeah. So we we then headed, because uh, the, what annaber 5 is about nine miles offshore, and then two to three miles away from that is what's known as the barge and crane, one that uh, Willbanks had discovered. And I guess MSRA has reported that the history behind that wreck is it was one of two vessels that teenagers had cut loose from the Palisades Nuclear Plant when it was under construction that had disappeared, and so they they've tied that barge to be that uh, back to that event. Uh, so that's sitting in 125 feet. I actually went deeper on that one. So Kirk and I went down uh, Bob's anchor line, and then there was a actually a buoy on the wreck. And then you went down. Was it your anchor line?
2: Yeah, we went down our anchor line, and we yeah. were far enough off of it that we couldn't see it.
1: Yeah, you had the bend. Gosh, if you if probably if you could have seen how close you were, you probably weren't far at all.
2: Well, there was a dark spot that we were headed to when it came time to make our turn. Yeah,
1: yeah. If you and that's that's how it appears because it just it's a it's what it is. It's a barge and it's flipped up so it's being supported by the crane that was on the deck. So the barge is sitting at about a 45 degree angle. So Kirk and I went down on it and, uh, he, he went in r- underneath it and I swam along. I took uh, Bob's camera and I haven't seen the video on that one yet. It was probably pretty lousy. It needs to be edited. You have to cut it, cut it back quite a bit. Uh, but I did one lap and I was looking in at my watch and said, eh, that's a, it's, it's a, it's about all I can do. So I went to the high part point of the wreck where the buoy line comes down And also I was getting that kind of slight narked, paranoid feeling. I didn't have the sound that time. It usually seems on sequential deep dives that the second one I don't feel as narked as the first one. Uh, But then Kirk went and did another lap. And then he came up. And as we were going up, so we got up. We just just started rising. So we were maybe about 110 feet. And then Kirk stopped and signaled that we needed to do a deep stop. And we did deep stop for about two minutes, and then he signaled to go up, and that was enough to put me in big time deco. So I had a seven minute uh, deco that I had to work off. So that was something I, w- I wasn't planning on, but uh, you know, between you know going up on your own or sticking with a dive buddy, I had a, I had enough air that I was fine. But and then when Kirk and I talked about it on the surface, uh, he misread his computer, is what happened. He interpreted it as a deep stop, but it wasn't signaling for him to do the stop there. It was actually at uh, normal depth that he should have done to safety stop. So, yeah, at, a, at 100 feet, we were still on loading nitrogen pretty heavy. And then you had quite a bit of deco, didn't you?
2: Uh, we had uh, five minutes first dive and then uh, about five or six the second dive. Okay. But that was all, uh, you know, that was all just 20 feet hang. Yeah. It may have been more to actually... Uh, I set my shear water up to do my shallowest stop at 20 feet. Yeah. That keeps me out of the surge at 10. And uh, Dan had a one-minute stop at 10 feet.
1: Yeah, I, I like the 20 feet myself. I have a hard time keeping at 10, because if you just lose focus for a second, you've already bobbed to the surface at 10 feet. The chat room's talking about how boring deco stops are. I I enjoyed it. Now, there, there are times where I've kind of... I I think in the late winter or late fall early spring the safety and deco stops can be a little annoying but in the summer especially after when you as long as the safety stop is above the thermocline I'm usually okay in the summer I was I was just as much warming up as I was off-gassing. but overall it's, uh, two great dives really enjoyed it and it's it's nice to get the first deep dive of the year out of the way because now I feel all ready for the uh, Ironsides, which I think we're scheduled to do in a couple weeks. And then I'm ready for, you know, Ann Arbor 5 again. I mean, that's another one. Say, so bring it on. Yep. Now, Mac, did you get any diving in this week?
0: Uh, nope, I did not. Hey, well, let me back up. Let me go back and think about that one.
1: <laughs> yeah, it did seven no, days. No, it's and...
0: in no, I went to Gull Lake, and that was uh, last week. Now, how was Gull Lake? Oh, they, they're, the guys that dove it a couple of days before Went out there that evening, and it's like there's a cage out there that wasn't there two days ago, and nobody knows who put it out there. It's uh, like a chain, you know, like the chain fences you have?
1: Yeah.
0: It was out there past the ice boat, and it looked like a huge shark cage, only the top part was covered a couple of feet down all all the way around it. But it's like nobody knows who put it out there. Uh, Visibility was only maybe six feet, but you had maybe 15 people diving in the area, so it sort of uh, kicked up a little bit. Uh, You got past 20 feet, and you got cold real quick. You wish you had your uh, mitts on instead of your five fingers. Uh Uh-huh. Saw some pike, which was surprising, and some gar, also surprising. But it was a good dive. Enjoyed it. Huh.
1: You know, I don't think I've ever seen pike or gar scuba diving yet.
0: Yeah, surprised me.
1: I've seen them on the end of my line going, what the heck is that? But so far, not not in the water.
0: Yeah, they're down on the bottom in the weeds where I was.
1: Yeah. Well, that's good. Go likes a nice like to go and dive. It just with Lake Michigan, calling it's it's hard to want to travel all that way. But I saw when you guys did it, and I'm like, gosh, I could have made that one. in in the In the summer, it doesn't seem so bad to to get off a few hours earlier and head that way.
0: Well, the the other part is, you know, you're talking 75 miles there, 75 miles back. It's 150. How much is gas? I, whereas I can I can take 25 minutes and be Paul, Paul.
2: Yeah,
1: certainly.
0: I can go to Pawpaw Dive, a tank, a tank and a half, and still be home before I would just a travel time going to Lake, or, you know, going to Go Lake.
1: Yeah. I mean, not that I want to take anything away from
0: you. No, Go Lake is great. Yeah. I'm just saying that's the other reason we decided on uh, miles for the uh, club picnic this year again. Yeah. Because most everybody can get their pretty. Yeah,
1: The the – just the distance of driving all that is, can be a little rough. I wonder if there's well, much. In, I
0: still want to get. I'm sorry.
1: I was going to say, I wonder if there's I any. Did, I
0: still want to get to the quarry. To, to uh, the quarry. And we still want to get up there. And I, I mentioned about you'd like to go up there, too. The Blue Water Bridge and do some fast water work up there.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm up for that. Dave's talking about doing Blue Water on Sunday.
1: Oh, this Sunday? Yeah. Huh.
2: We already made plans. What were what, what the plans? Well, the plans were to. Oh, Max Rec? Get out the Max Rec on Sunday.
1: Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I man. I, I mean, we can always modify plans.
0: How come we. Oh, I know. If I forgot to mention. Or you didn't mention. Learn to scuba dive at Michigan State Parks, Fresh Air Fit program. What's the deal with that? Oh, yeah. Remember that' you a, sent that to me.
1: Yeah, I, I didn't. I, that one didn't make in the, sh, the show notes, but I thought it was uh, interesting. I think I even forwarded that on to Dave and. Uh, Rich Sinnewick from Divers Incorporated saying, hey, take a look at this. So it looked like uh, there was a dive shop who was working with the uh, parks departments to do, they effectively discover scuba out at uh, at three different parks. So it was on the state of Michigan website. I was actually looking at hiking locations for the Boy Scouts, uh, Warren Woods, which isn't too far from here. The uh, not Warren Dunes, but Warren Woods uh, has a nice, very rustic uh, maple and beech forest. So we're going to go hiking in there, and they, they had the uh, scuba diving. So let's see. Did you send me that, that link? Yeah, yeah here yeah. it is. So, that, that, yeah, I thought that was an interesting program. Learned the scuba diving with the Michigan State Park's Fresh Air Fit program. Uh, and it's going on now. Let's see. I think they just did the the first one, which was July 9th and 10th, was at North Higgins Lake State Park, Roscommon County. Then they have another one coming up July 23rd and 24th at Casey Charters Traverse City State Park. And then August 6th and 7th, they have Leelanau State Park. And then August 19th and 20th, they have Petoskey State Park. So it's each location will, four, will host a four-hour class per day limited to students, four students per class, which consists of a 30-minute presentation and one-hour confined water diving experience supervised by instructor. Cost is 35 if pre-registered, 50 for drop-ins. Advanced registration is recommended. To register, please see the certificate state parks. We like to attend. Students must be at least 12 years old. With parent or guardian approval to participate, classes will be canceled. if Less than four participants are registered within seven days of class. For more information, you talk to Dive Central, which can be found at their website, divecentral.com. So I thought that was an, uh, a good way, or just somebody being creative and finding another way of introducing scuba
0: diving.
2: Along those lines, it's not introducing scuba, but there is an introduction to uh, the Inspiration Evolution Revery re- there. They're doing a demo day at Gilboa this coming Saturday, and there's still some slots open. From what I understand, you get a hands-on overview of the rebreather. You assemble it, and then you get to dive it uh, in shallow water for shallow being, you know, less than thirty, thirty-five feet, I believe. Mm-hmm. But you get to dive it for forty-five minutes to an hour. Oh, wow! So you really get a feel for what it's like to dive, uh, buoyancy, and breathing, and everything on a rebreather.
1: Okay, that that's good. So that's this Saturday,
2: which would be... This Saturday, Gilboa Quarry. Yep, so that's
1: July 13th. So hopefully you can you hear this by then. You can call, uh, probably uh, Gilboa will have uh, information.
2: Gilboa or Aquatic Adventures.
1: Okay, yeah, that's good. I, I've i got to get at some point in time and and give a rebreather a try.
2: Yeah, I was really thinking about going over and doing this one because I'd love to... To spend some time with one and not just do it in a pool but you know someplace where you can get a little little bit of depth and uh-huh. have to learn better buoyancy control than just 10 feet and uh, get a feel for the the work of breathing on it uh, mm-hmm. and then the different lung configurations or counter lung configurations to see what i like but just uh, doesn't work out for me this weekend
1: yeah yeah saturdays and they'll go for me as well but uh that, that'd be yeah that's all these opportunities, and, and we're limited in time. So if you haven't gotten out and done any diving, you're, you're running out of season. There just is not a whole lot of time left to go. And then I kind of teased before the show, if you follow us on Facebook, which we're on facebook.com forward slash or We also have our website at scubobsessed.com. I posted in the chat room that I got to actually meet one of our guests from a few weeks A few episodes, but it's been more than that. It seems just like a few weeks. Time's flying. But one of our guests in person, and one that's not normally on the continent. So, does anybody have any sort of guess of who that was?
2: Sienna Buckingham.
1: You got it right. Very good. She was in. uh... Son of a gun.
2: (laughs) Where'd you get to meet her at? St. Joe. No kidding.
1: She was visiting family up in Ludington, and then her boyfriend uh, who was with her, Adrian. Uh, he's got family over in Libertyville, so they happen to be coming on through, and they've been texting. I actually invited them to go diving with us on Sunday, but they had a family get together that they were doing. So I I tend not to want to mention stuff like this in advance because there's so many times with a show, so many people contact me and they want to be on or do something or or dive with us, and they just disappear. So I kind of a little reluctant. I mean, Denae has been very. Helpful to the show. She's done some interviews for us and uh, a great diver and advocate for scuba diving. Uh, so I figured she'd be in, but you know, if somebody cancels, I don't want to embarrass them. But yeah, she she actually was coming through the area and she's supposed to be in through noon, and they got a little bit of a late start. So I saw them yesterday at about 3:30. We we went uh, downtown Bluff and had coffee on the the beach and chatted for a while. And it was very interesting. I mean, she's got some great dive stories. So I'm talking to her to come up uh, come on the show again. And uh she'll probably have some announcements coming up here, which we we look forward to to hearing when they do but it was it was very nice to meet uh Danae Buckingham and uh, Adrian, who uh, her boyfriend was very nice so uh, very fortunate so yeah i hope they I, I've told them they got to come back they 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 want to come back and do some diving in the area. Uh, I think the cold water was 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 scaring them a little bit now now he's a diver from uh, uh Puget Sound. So I, I think he'd, he, he wouldn't have any problem with the temperatures. but uh, So, it was yeah, great meeting them. Hope Look look forward to diving with them uh, sometime soon. And I think we just about lost Jim. You still there, Mac?
0: Yeah. I just sent you a little item on uh, Lake Master Auto Chart, uh-huh. which I think is – I'm not sure if that's part of what you had mentioned to me the other day. Hang on a second. I'm looking for another little item here. Um, Dr. Depth. Okay.
1: Yeah. Yeah. What, what Max referring to is that one of the s- pieces of software that Dave Toneman put us on, which was Dr. Depth, which you hook into your, uh, either your hummingbird or your Lawrence or Lawrence, and it helps you map and chart what it is you've been diving, um, uh, not necessarily diving on, but just what's underneath your boat. Aimed at fishermen, but scuba divers absolutely love this. But Dr. Depth got sold and it took a little bit of time to figure out who it was. And they got by, but bought by Johnson products which is who owns Hummingbird and also happens to own Scuba Pro. But they hadn't announced what it was. So the announcement was at the end of June, they officially announced that they had acquired them. And now Mac just sent me a link, uh, and it is Lake Master, which I believe is a division or portion of uh, Hummingbird. They say they have the new product called the Lake Master AutoChart. It says AutoChart lets you become the map maker. Is available this year's... uh, New product showcase to ICAST in Las Vegas. You record the data, auto chart, PC software builds a map and display it on your compatible hunting, hummingbird GPS. So, uh, I, if anybody has used Dr. Depth, uh, take, you know, take a look at this and see if it's the same. So the, I'm, I, you know, Mac, I think you're onto something. I'm going to bet because I got a link here. That would make sense. Um, you know, I, I feel sorry for the Lawrence people, uh, because I'm, betting that hummingbird isn't going to make the software work on lawrence units, but lawrence has their own product, but I'm sure, I mean, Dr. Depth was such a bargain kind of kicked myself for not buying it in one aspect, but then again, I'm kind of glad I didn't because you know, who knows what kind of support you're going to get for pre-existing software. Huh? It's hard to tell looking at these charts. They don't look like Dr. Dr. Depth charts, but they may have, oh, no. they, they may have been doing something else. Did you send me something else?
0: Yeah, that's the, um... I thought I just sent you a different item.
1: Oh, here it is: Lake Map Auto Chart. You're right,
0: Lake Map Auto Chart.
1: Yeah, that's where I'm at right now.
0: Oh, okay.
1: Yeah, because I I filed the link over to it. So, uh, but you know the thing is that they might when when it because what they're doing here, I mean, uh, because Hummingbird is actually hiring, and what they're doing is they're doing embedding systems where they're taking computer software and they they're putting it on the chips or devices, which is what their scanners are. So they have a design set. So even though you might not see the same displays or you're used to with Doctor Depth, uh, doesn't mean that they didn't incorporate the technology uh, or the features. So that may be what we're seeing here. They're just they took portions of the software and then combined it in, and it gave them some features. And and it takes a lot a lot of testing, especially if you're doing embedded systems. You can't. Yeah, you know, it's it's a little bit different. Uh, then a PC, a PC, if it crashes, you just reboot and you add something to it. But when you had embedded systems, you've got another level of testing. And then, um, you know, people who are using expected to, to essentially be just an appliance. Ooh, diving. Now that's something. Let's see what that is. Oh, scuba pro. Yep.
0: Interesting. That's stuff to look at later, but
1: yeah, yeah. I, I went through and looked at some of that stuff. Um, uh, yeah, I'd like for Johnson's to do their website a little bit different, but and to push diving more. But at least they're into diving a little bit, so I'm not gonna hold too much against them. Cool stuff. Yeah. Oh my goodness! I let's see what else. haven't we done? If you have any comments about the show, any suggestions, anything you'd like to see, do the show at scubaobsessed.com. Also, I'm I'm just so you get a little bit of warning. I'm going to be changing the website around. I've been I've been buried with work doing other people's websites. And I want to get back to do some more stuff on our own websites and properties. So expect some changes. Need, need to update it. Uh, we're mobile friendly, but not as friendly as we could be. Uh, and I've, I've learned a lot of stuff doing work for clients. So I want to incorporate that, that into the website and some of the properties. Uh, also, show notes. Uh, a shout out to Anthony in the UK. Uh, he'd been out of contact for a little bit of a while. He's doing well. He got married and also uh, uh, they have a new baby. So congrats to them. And i got to get caught up in the show notes. It won't take me too long. I'll probably run through that. Uh, yeah, I, I almost need some bad weather again. Did, did you guys hear about my – What's We're that? We're in the
2: middle of dive season.
0: <laughs> I, I can't get caught up
1: it. in anything else if I'm diving all the time. But did I, did I tell you about my camping week?
0: No, you didn't. What?
1: You didn't have internet. No, I didn't have internet. So, okay, here, here. the week before I go camping, I'm traveling for work. I'm in Kansas City. And one day my phone's taking a charge, and the next day it starts flickering when it's plugged in the charger where it's charging, not charging, charging, not charging, charging, not charging. And then it just stopped charging altogether. So the battery just gave up the ghost. And This is an iPhone 4S, one month away from being able to get an upgrade. <laughs> So it dies on me. And then as soon as I get back in the town, within hours, I'm heading to camp in the middle of the woods. And a warning to anybody, if you go camping with me, no matter if it's a tent, an RV, I have literally spent hundreds of nights camping. But every event, it will precipitate in some form or another. And this week was no exception. We had, I think, Sunday night was the only night it didn't rain. And the rest of the week, it rained almost the whole time. Uh, we had severe storms, uh, which took out tents and buildings and trees. And then the camp lost power, which it didn't bother me that much. Cause we're, you know, we're camping in tents. So we don't know the power, but it did affect the ability for the camp to provide food. <laughs> so we did a lot of, uh, box stuff and cooked over the campfire, which is fine. I, I actually kind of prefer that. Did but... you
0: take it out of the box first?
1: Uh, they, they buy everything bulk, so they just uh, put it in the bowls. We ate under flashlights, uh, but it rained. I I brought three pair of shoes. and This is for six nights of camping, and after the fourth night, everything was wet and nothing had dried. I brought 12 pair of socks, and after the end of the week, I only had one dry pair left. Uh, I should have brought my scuba gear because there were parts of the trails where I could have uh, snorkeled or scuba dove in. So it was rainy and wet and I was disconnected and it was still better than the best day at work ever.
2: <laughs> out to self, do not invite Darren on camping trips. <laughs> yeah.
0: Do not bring Darren to club
1: picnic. <laughs> well, picnics, you know, if, if we're not camping, I, I think we're safe. It's, I've always thought I should, uh, I should sell myself or rent myself out, uh, yeah, for droughts.
2: Yes. Rainman. Yeah. Yeah, Rainman. Rain Man. Rain
1: Man.
0: Two hundred and sixty-four. Oh, well, you can buy a new dry suit.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, yes. Uh, I am definitely I, I have to do something. Now my, my my I'm I'm forced my wife to work a multi- multitude of jobs, so she's working two jobs now. So uh I've indicated to her that we'll be able to get her a horse trailer and I'm getting a dry suit. So as long, yeah, I, I think first. I'm going to wait about a week or so for working this second job. And if she's still doing it, then I might even go to Hawk just to get a dry suit. So uh, I was going to say, which comes first, the
2: dry suit or the trailer? Uh, You've been waiting for the dry suit for a long time.
1: Well, let me see. Since my wife and I have been married, we've had six horse trailers, and I've yet to have a dry suit. So by my I think, accounting... I think it's your turn. I, I think so. I think by my accounting, I'm I should be first up on the list. So, but that, you know how that, that doesn't always work out that way. I understand. But <laughs> but uh, she did, I mean, she brought it up, not me saying that, you know, I sh- I need to get my dry suit. So, because uh, I, I, it's bad. My boots, I've got two pair of boots and the neoprene in the heels is, is, isn't there. It's no longer neoprene. It's like the fabric that coats neoprene. Uh, my gloves, I've, my three finger gloves are probably patchable. The five fingers are shredded. And I bought uh, non-diving gloves, or I bought my wife bought for camping, and I thought I would try them out on the Ann Arbor Five. And as I was moving up the rope, the gloves were disintegrating. So, yeah, the you know six-dollar pair of neoprene gloves you buy at the sporting goods store aren't a substitute for dive gloves. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's a good point, Dave. Dave says I could use the horse trailer to haul dive gear. Or sleep in. Yeah, sleep in. Yeah. That's true. I guess that that that's a possibility. Yeah. And then Jim Kleeman. and I, we got that other boat. We're we're making plans and getting his other boat up and going. Uh which we've been doing for two or three years, but uh that will happen. So all all sorts of good things going on. So this weekend we were talking about we've got uh anybody's got a chance, you got Gilboa on Saturday. Sunday we're talking about Max Wreck, but maybe there might be some other dive plans it sounds like. So we'll have yeah. to we'll have to see how that goes. That's a, that might be a possibility. This might be, huh? huh, huh. Yeah, that's Yeah. Well, right. if you're
0: looking for different diving, you've got Twin Otter going to be in Michigan City for the weekend.
1: Which which Otter is going to be there? Twin Otter.
0: Okay. That way you can get some five thousand or ten thousand foot jumps I don't know if you want some dives.
1: Oh, okay, okay, wow. I don't know. That kind of scares me actually at the moment. I think I need to get the dry suit first, but I, I'm I think I'm up for that. I you know I'm I'm what scares me is is I'm not scared by doing it. I'm scared that I'm not scared of doing it. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, until the door opens.
1: <laughs> now, do you get the pee in your dive suit when you when you skydive? Does that work too as well?
0: Yeah, because it'll dry on the way down.
1: Okay. <sighs>
0: and the masters hate it; don't want to throw up at them.
1: Mm-hmm. Now, the, the, I don't know. The shoot. I, I don't know why this made me think of a show, but my wife, daughter, and I have been watching a new show on one of the the discovery type networks and it's called naked and afraid have you happened to come across that one it's like it's a survival it's a a male and a female they don't know anybody each other before they go they get dropped off with one item each and they are completely naked and they have 21 days to survive and do like certain tasks called naked and afraid and it's 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 worth watching. I thought it was going to be really gimmicky.
0: Oh, well, hell yes, I knew you'd like the
1: video on that. Well, I mean the the topic is <laughs> great. But uh, but the reason I bring it up is I think they need to do a scuba version. Mm-hmm. I, you know I don't know. I guess you, survival. You know what are you doing? You don't have anything else, but you have dive gear and tanks. But uh, but what goes better? Well, I guess there's other things. But boy, I'm in a dangerous mood. Get myself in trouble here. So do we have anything to plug? It's getting it that, time. that time. The- yeah. Do we, do, we, do you have anything? Uh, to- I think it's that time. Okay. Okay. I've been I've been delaying. So thanks again, everybody in the chat room. Boy, we had quite a few show up. Uh you know, we have you know A.R. Scuba, Tracy Dick, Big Stig, Steve, Paul, Brendy, but if I'm pronouncing her name right, his name right. It's it's kinda hard with some of these. But yeah, you know, thank you for coming in the chat room. If you haven't tried the chat room, you're missing out. You gotta give it a shot. Uh, you get to see us in the raw, unedited version. We do. We do do some. We make jokes about not editing, but I do edit for dead air and space. So uh, what you're hearing when when it's recorded is a little different than what we do live. So you're gonna have to give live in the chat. But then they have they have more fun in the chat room. I don't even know if they're they're listening to us. So yes, we're at that time of the show and. Let's see here. I, I do have a couple jokes, and we we might do a double a double header. So you, you guys, do you think you can handle two?
2: I'm ready. Okay. You
0: mean a? Yeah.
1: yeah. So this first one, a guy in a bar leans over to a guy next to him and says, "Want to hear a warm water diver joke?" The guy next to him replies, "Well, before you tell that joke, you should know something. I'm six foot tall, 200 pounds, and I'm a diver from Florida." The guy sitting next to me is six foot two, weighs 225, and he's a diver from Georgia. This fellow next to him is six foot five tall, weighs 250 pounds, and he's a diver from Alabama. Now, you still want to tell that joke? The first guy says, Nah, not if I'm going to have to explain it three times. (laughs) So that's kind of a warm up.
0: Did they have blonde hair? (laughs) I don't know.
1: (laughs) Okay. Now the real thing. Yeah. Now, now the real thing. Now, now that we're warmed up. Yeah. That that was just a like a decoy, a designated decoy. An Arizona Highway Patrol officer stops a Harley traveling faster than the posted speed limit. So he asks the biker's name. Freddie replies, "Fred." What the officer asks. Just Fred. The man responds. The officer's in a good mood and thinks he might just have a give the biker a break. He writes him out a warning instead of a ticket. The officer then presses for his last name. The man tells him that he used to have a last name but lost it. The officer thinks that he's nuts, has a nutcase on his hands, but he plays along. Tell me, Fred, how did you lose your last name? The biker replies, it's a long story, so stay with me. I was born Fred Johnson. I studied hard and got good grades. When I got older, I realized I wanted to be a doctor. I went through college, medical school, internship, residency, finally got my degree, and I was Fred Johnson, M.D. After a while, I got bored with being a doctor, so I decided to go back to school. Dentistry is my dream. I got all the way through school, got my degree, and I was Fred Johnson, MD, DDS. I got bored of being a dentist, so I started fooling around with my assistant. She gave me VD. So now I'm Fred Johnson, MD, DDS with VD. Well, the ADA found out about my VD, so they took away my DDS. Then Fred Johnson, MD with VD. Then the AMA found out, and ADA took away the DDS because of the VD. Then the VD took away my Johnson, so now I'm just Fred.
2: Steve left at a good time. <laughs> he he got out. Golf just, he got out just before the joke. Yeah. Yep.
1: Okay. Well, until next time, go out there and get wet.
0: And stay safe, guys and gals.
2: And remember, only one Johnson was harmed in the making of tonight's show.
0: I still like the other one, bacon tastes good with. Oh, recording manatees. has
2: been completed. <laughs> <laughs> what was that, Mac? Bacon tastes good with
0: manatees. Remember, he was talking about
2: oh, he's like, yeah.
0: manatees when well, now they taste the bacon.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Ted gonna love you.